How's it going, guys? Uh, Jerome here. Just uh, real quick, wanted to give a quick disclaimer that uh, today's episode, we are, if you saw the title, we're talking about a true crime documentary about a very serious case that did happen of a person who did die. So just wanted to uh, clarify that this episode is going to be a bit serious. We're going to talk about things like mental health, uh, suicide, um, serial killers, that type of stuff. So if that stuff is uh upsetting to you or uh makes you don't feel uncomfortable you are more than happy to skip this episode uh this week uh the last thing you want to do is uh put out something that you won't enjoy or that will uh make you feel uncomfortable so please you know we encourage that um also just wanted to say that uh while uh because we are a uh, little more comedic podcast uh, we do make jokes. By no means do we mean to make light of any of the situations we talk about here um, or make fun of the situation at hand. Uh, it's more just a thing of trying to not have the episode be so heavy. Um, but uh, our int- that's our intention. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, know that we do take everything that happened to... Uh, the family and the victims talked about in the story very seriously and uh we hope that they are doing well and uh thank you for uh listening to my little disclaimer uh with that being said i'm gonna go into the episode so hope you enjoy and uh see you later what it is how's it going everybody today we're going to be talking about crime scene the vanishing at the cecil hotel the new netflix docu-series it's all the rage uh we're gonna talk about a whole bunch of things from true crime to internet sleuths and whatnot it's gonna be a fun time we got jonathan we got alex and your boy so tune in grab a snack take a seat and listen to the first ones to die What's up, everyone? Welcome to the first ones to die. I'm here with Jerome and Alex. I was about to say I'm here with Jonathan and Alex, but that would make no sense because I am Jonathan. You're gonna start speaking in third um, person now. Apparently, you know, <laughs> you are with yourself. <laughs> Hey, I a little am meta there. I am one with myself. Anyway, uh, today, what are we talking about? We're talking about Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. It's the new Netflix documentary. Well, it kind of came out like what? It came out a, a, a month or so ago. Um, it's been a minute. And yeah, it's been a minute. But last Netflix documentary we talked about was Tiger King was what a year ago when quarantine first started <laughs> yeah, and we figured you know what ago. let's <laughs> let's go into another uh documentary that's ev- that everybody's talking about so basically the vanishing at the cecil hotel tells the story of college student and tourist alicia lamb alisa lamb um and how she vanishes leaving behind all her possessions in her hotel room the cecil hotel grows in infamy and personally I had heard about this story, like, I don't know, maybe 
a year ago or less than that, and I was freaked out. So I definitely had some trepidation going into this documentary, but I want to know what you both thought going into it. Uh, Alex, what did you think going into it at first? Well, as a woman in the 20th century, I have watched plenty of crime documentaries. Uh, so <laughs> I knew actually all about the case in the CISA hotel. Um, and even speaking of which, this is called The Babysitter. It is the new serial killer book I'm reading. It is about a person who travels around with uh, their babysitter, not knowing that they're the one of a notorious serial killer. Back in the 90s, I'll explain more about that book and where I got it from and stuff. But the CISO Hotel uh, documentary was interesting. I was excited to see if there was any new developments or anything, because it is one of the top cases that happened at the CISO Hotel. Unfortunately, it is not the only death that has occurred there or suicide that has occurred there, unknowing what her circumstance was. So I was excited to know if there was going to be any new development going in, you know, and trying to figure out like what they brought to the table compared to like the other documentaries or stories that I've heard about uh, her case and the CISO hotel. So what about you, Jerome? What did you think going in? Uh, hold on one sec. I'm just looking up an HBO true crime documentary that this reminds me of. Um. Jerome, Jerome, Jonathan, I know you don't like spooky stuff. Um, did this scare you at all? So I, I would say I like spooky stuff, but it's just that the real stuff gets me more than the fake right. stuff. There was, if anyone watches SNL, there was the SNL sketch a few weeks ago where it talks about, it's a, it's a musical number and just all these women are enjoying all of these crime documentaries that have all of these horrific, you know, uh, details. And I, I would have to say I am not one of those people who, who eats up a crime documentary. I very much go into it with a lot of caution just because it's, it's a, a real story. And I feel like I could distance myself from the Hollywood stuff. But I have to say, these types of documentaries do interest me so much, especially ones like this, where some of the details just line up so perfectly, and the the circumstances surrounding Elisa Lamb's death are just so bizarre, which really draws me in. But also, I, I have to look at it with uh, a, like a foot away as well. Mm. I um jumped on every detail. I think it's I love cop crime documentaries and going to the SNL thing at the end when she's like, I love baking shows. I do too. I will die on the hill of the British the Brit the great British break off. Sometimes I can't understand what they're saying, but I always love the mental breakdowns they're having. You know why? Because they are more restrained than Americans. Americans will just start crying and screaming. These people's like their internal frustration is hilarious. They'll start getting like, like, like so tense. And it's like, oh my God, is there going to like explode or something? They're like, like holding it in so strongly. I get worried for them. So you're saying one minute you're watching someone get stressed over the frosting on a cupcake. The next minute you're listening to someone talk about someone getting stuffed in a suitcase. I mean, in all fairness, 
two of the, both of those things can turn really bad really quickly if you're not careful. It's true. You can wind up in the suitcase, or you can wind up getting caught, or you can wind up with really bad frosting. That's what you're known for on the bake off. Both are horrible things. Uh, oh, Jerome, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I going into this, I don't, I don't know. I'm not familiar with this case, uh, so it was a. Uh, so, uh, what is it called? Uh, new, new experience to me. I'd never heard of the Cecil Hotel <laughs> until now. Um, really? It reminded me watching the documentary. Though reminded me of just the way it's structured uh, as a docu series in general. Reminds me of uh, "I Love You Now Die." Uh, which is about the Michelle Carter case in which uh, her uh, – I can't find his name right now. Um, but it's about the girl who told her boyfriend to kill himself. Um, when he oh, called her on the yeah. Phone. Through oh, text yeah. and everything, right? Yes, uh, which his name was – I think it was Conrad something. Conrad yeah, I remember Roy. being something so, like that. So Con- the Conrad Roy um, case. And uh, the way it was structured so well, one of the big things I liked about that docuseries so well is that it it structured it where it was the defense side first is what you heard, which is the side that almost everyone's on. But then you also heard the um, or the prosecutor side first and then the defense uh, second. Um, and it was really neat. It was really uh, so I liked how this documentary was really well put together in all four of its parts of like. The police, how they handled the situation, then how the internet and social media handled it, and so on and so forth from there. Um, I think uh, I'm always never quite sure how it's going to work with a documentary that uses so much reenactment um, to tell its story. Uh, but I feel like here they did a, a pretty okay job. You know, it doesn't like get super dramatic um, and try to be like part documentary part art film um see honestly i that's i have the opposite feeling about that because i think they did get a little bit like with the colors though with the colors it it was like a little where it gets a little weird yeah it was just like (laughs) what are you trying to do let the man finish talking i'm trying to hear what he has to say about the case why do you why are you suddenly going into this weird, unnecessary spotty style? Like, what gr- focus what d- drove me crazy was the constant out of focus shots of people. Yes. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, it's well, one thing I- to have one person out of focus. It's another, or he's in focus and goes out of focus. It's another thing to just be out of focus, just in general. <laughs> I could, I could, so I could, I could understand. Yeah, that that could be annoying, but I could see why they wanted to do that because you know, obviously, they wanted to get actors to recreate the situation but obviously that wasn't the the actual person who was involved in the case so they couldn't really like see their face yeah but it's not like we were going to be like oh my god did they really get footage because they made it a little bit blurry all it was was like why does this need to be blurry we know it's all in reenactment right but i did appreciate how they got right into the, the the meat of the case and they got right into elisa lamb you know for Anyone who maybe didn't watch the series and is listening, Elisa Lam, she was a college student from Vancouver, and she traveled down to Los Angeles just to get away by herself. And uh, the Cecil Hotel, I believe, was her last stop in her tour of California, uh, mini tour of California. Mm -hmm. And uh, she didn't check out and 
hotel staff packed up her stuff and then the hotel staff released found and released this video of her doing these strange things in an elevator well first her parents released like uh, filed a missing persons report when she didn't check in because she she would call often Mm mm-hmm yeah and uh the hotel still had her her belongings and everything the hotel staff found her last uh appearance at the hotel was in this elevator and then she went to the left to um uh outside the the view of the camera and um yeah basically they found her in the water tank and to this day they determined that she was having um a a mental breakdown in in, an episode and um she went in the water tank to to flee from from something that she thought was harming her and ultimately drowned which still makes no sense at all because why like then for her to then panic because she's in the water tank trying to escape somebody then she's like the person got out she would have been should have been able to get out if she was able to open up that lid, but she couldn't she because didn't she open wasn't strong it. enough. It wasn't. It was just open. It was misinformation that it was closed at all. It was never closed. It was always just open. So she just went in. Then why aren't there any scratch marks or anything of panic inside the water tank? Maybe because she assumed, like, because I don't know. But I mean, you know, it's because like a if, of, if ever there's a struggle or somebody panicking, realizing that's not going to open. There would have been resistance seen of her pushing or her trying to scratch because that's an instinct for a lot of people. You see, if you watch a lot more crime crime documentaries, you'll see when people are stuck in places that like they thought they could escape from, you start scratching and then there's nails that come off. Yeah, there was no thing, and then she, she like if she wasn't high enough to reach the ledge to even climb out there wouldn't be scratch well, marks at would, least not around would, the entrance slash exit right but nowhere in that tank you're gonna try to t- she didn't try to claw out at all that's like an but that's implying have. that she would have the strength after treading water for so long to dig her nails in deep enough to leave visible scratch marks because remember she's swimming the whole time that takes all of your physical being to keep yourself above water. not if you just float but she's not floating because she's in a state of panic so she's trying to like she's thinking like she's then she not would have been clawing her, around she would have uh, been like kicking there would have been bruising on her toes her hands any other part of her body just treading water in one place that means you're more calmer can't tread water and be calm if you're in a state of panic you you're gonna panic this is interesting so it seems like we have two sides of the argument maybe i just see Alex, i can see what the you, i can see that what the cops are saying and I do believe mm-hmm. I don't believe it to be a suicide. I do, I believe it the way they wrote it, which is that it's an accidental death. It's not. She didn't mean to kill herself. She didn't mean to be in that water tank and and, har- and get harmed. It's and then, but the circumstances are lined up in that way that it's more plausible that that is the case, considering there are no yeah, but sources with the of his- struggle with no- the history of cops, it's very very likely they found somebody with a mental disorder bipolar which is often used as a big excuse for stuff they said she was having a breakdown and it's a nice easy clean case i i would agree with that if her parent if her sister who is a family member didn't also agree 
that she has had mental episodes like this before due to her mental illness where she's had Getting the same reactions. water tanks maybe Getting not in water, water tanks water but definitely you know she's had paranoid um uh thoughts right and, and like delusions there's... before before this case before she even arrived at the cecil hotel right if it was again, just the cops saying that i would i would paranoia see, I would agree and with panic you, and all that but, stuff which i faith there is always a it's a natural instinct to to like try to fight and you say she's treading water but you can't just tread water and be calm and then she just floats down and dies also she has the removal of the clothes and all her personal items that were also in the water it was like she was almost killed outside the water tank and just kind of dumped in there that makes more plausible way with the way there was no like fight to her there was no fight there was no blood or anything she didn't bang on the water tank at all to possibly be hurt or anything I don't know. Nothing like that. And yeah, I because probably, my yeah, thing I don't is trust them one second. If she's if she's not if like if she was taken by somebody, my thought pattern is there's no you're telling me out of that whole hotel where people are probably up all night <laughs> because there's just screaming and whatever else happening in every in every other room that nobody heard another set of footsteps or anything outside their room or a body collapse from being knocked out or whatever because there's no sign after she leaves that elevator but there have been no sign so of, you know, many cases like that where people are like i never heard a thing i don't know what you're talking about that's true but what i'm that. saying is is that like every then, single case is like that i'm saying like after that then to climb all the way up to the roof get into like dump her into the water tank undress her and on top of that, there'd be no sign of foul play at all. No one I mean, broke hell, in the room. could have just a no person could have like, injected her no with potassium. That but gets there's out no of your prick body. wounds. Even if they injected her with something, there would be a puncture wound of you some kind. It. I mean, often, actually, uh, if you ever hear about a nurse killing somebody, it's because they give them high doses of potassium. It's non-traceable. It mimics a heart attack. You just flat out die. Or it's a high dosage of glucose. Again, looks like you'll die. You'll go into a diabetic coma. And if somebody finds your body, they see the high sugar levels and they just think you had an undiagnosed case of diabetes. There are multiple ways to kill somebody and it not be traceable. I'm not saying they weren't there, but I could say that they were. They she may have met somebody up on the roof or something. Or somebody was already up there and, you know, they were there and she came up and there was an instant where like they were able to get the upper hand or she, you know, with her paranoia or with her bipolar, or however, could have fallen into a trust for this person. Her hell, it could have been somebody she knew that she met around LA or something. So Alex, okay, let's look at some of the clues that they pointed to t towards foul play. Do you think that either the guy who did the death metal or when she came home from the bookstore, the two people that were apparently with her, or on the video, they showed someone, the, the shadow of someone's shoe, apparently. Do you think any of those three things could lead to possibly foul play? I mean, yeah, I mean, you just really can't trust anybody. Although the shadow of the shoe seems... 
stupid to me. That seems far fetched. Just the way they showed. How it. do you have a I shadow? It was just her feet. That was. Walking. I assumed I that too. I was like, hurt. I'm pretty sure that's just her or like, foot. Her maybe foot, like, like a shadow I figured from like foot. Maybe it was a shadow from like a light that went out further, so it created a shadow. For it just seemed weird. And also, how do you have a shadow of a shoe? Wouldn't it be a shadow of a whole? How do you just have it as a shoe? There's the pant leg or something. Like there's something more attached to it. Just you have the tip of the shoe. It could have also been a rat. <laughs> I mean, it was that quality of a hotel. And it was in LA. I mean, it was near Skid Row, if I'm not incorrect. Yeah. It's, in yeah, Skid Row. It's in Skid yeah. Like in so that it. could have been a rat or a giant roach or something. That one, I think, is like, that one was a reach. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, the Cecil Hotel, I, I personally didn't like the documentary. I felt like. Th- it didn't need to be four episodes long. They dragged it out. And it wasn't really yeah. until the fourth episode that they pre- started presenting the actual evidences of the case. Um, I think they did that on purpose to try and like have no, you to keep be you just watching. as like, well, not only that, but also have you be, be in the same mindset as the internet people essentially of like man you know what that is weird why is that why is this Mm -hmm. and then then the last episode they're like actually here's some other things that are also part of the case you're like okay well with that information that changes everything that you set up two episodes ago so yeah like this is well it didn't feel like an internet thing it just felt like you were trying to drag it out and that you were like but look everything we showed you is a lie look at this (laughs) it's like Dude, but like, also, this case has been around since like, uh, I believe it was 2013 is when it occurred. So 2013, it's been, that's when it yeah, happened. 2013. Yeah, 2013. Um, so it's been around for a while. You already knew the facts of the case and everything. Well, they didn't present anything new. I mean, at the same time, though, I've never heard of it. This is my first introduction to this case. All of these facts, um, all of these witnesses, all this stuff. So for me, someone like me, this is new. All of it is brand new information. And uh, I only heard about it. I only heard about it last year. But some of the wait, how did you how did you hear about it last year? Like, what what was your introduction to this? I think I was in one of my Wikipedia deep dives, and then I saw her name. Yeah, for real. And so I saw her name um, in in the article about her, and then I was like, oh my gosh, this is so freaky. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like people were saying in the documentary, I can't stop thinking about this. I intentionally avoided watching the video just because I know a lot of people had said, oh, this video was so terrifying. I can't stop thinking about this. So I'm like, let me not watch this. But then I had no no choice but to watch the video when I watched this documentary because they showed it to you in flashbacks like 82 times. Now that I've been working, uh, what's it called, uh, security for a while at my current job, I can say, though, some of the inconsistencies with the video are not as weird as people think they made like made it out to be in the documentary because we have pre-recorded video for our place too and there are times where when the video loses signal to the server it looks like stuff is skipping time and just stuff just like cuts like an edit almost but it's only it's not because someone edited the footage it's because literally it's st- like in a way it stopped it recording stuck. and started recording no, at a different time period. No, totally. People yeah. like base that off of like, you know, movies they've seen where they're like, why can't you just zoom in and clear up and like, you know, fix up her face or blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, this is real life technology yep. for security and like 
hotels and just normal places are especially crappy. the Cecil Hotel, which is like old. <laughs> like yeah. they probably haven't replaced that camera for decades. It's that time code is always going to be blurry because it's it's a blurry. It's it's yeah, old. It's, it's a while. <laughs> and this is a recording of a recording. Like, you know what I mean? Cause and I it's think it's been co- recorded multiple times too. Right. So like the cops have the, the, the real deal version. The whole point of them releasing the footage was just to be like, look, this is what she looks like. This is the last time you uh, anyone saw her alive. And this is what she was wearing. If you have seen this girl in this area, let us know. Like, tell us, tell us what you think. Where was her last whereabouts? Did you see her in your store? Maybe or something before that, whatever. And they took it to the new extreme of like analyzing every little piece of this little one video. I think maybe it wouldn't have been such a. I think it would have been a big case because of the weirdness and that. But it's also the CISO Hotel. Yeah, I mean, which that was a whole so thing in and of itself. Because the more yeah, in she, general, she, uh, what was it? The hotel manager. The hotel was a character in the story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The hotel manager I mean, kept going to bat for the Cecil Hotel, and I was just like, look, all I'm saying is y'all should have been shut down if it were me. <laughs> first of all, she was the former manager, so it, it was it was a little You didn't you didn't work there anymore. She, yeah, it's not you, even you have okay. nothing to lose anymore. You could just tell it all. But I maybe that's really how she feels. It, I I think it's the thing of like it's it's one of those things where you don't wanna because a lot of these uh, a lot of these events happened on her watch when she was the current manager. So you don't want to make but it seem it, like it, you weren't like trying to do your best. But the thing is what like it wasn't because in like the nineteen twenties a guy shot himself in his hotel room when he was reconciling with his wife. Another time uh the Black Dahlia was there right before her murder getting drinks. The notorious night stalker killer there, you know, he got some of his victims from there back in the eighties. Multiple people have been killed, murdered, suicide, been raped there. So this hotel clearly has got something going on. And they do not have good like security system knowledge. And none of those people were caught because the Night Stalker guy, like, he he was staying there when he was on his killing spree. Mm-hmm. So, like, clearly nobody heard a thing when he was doing shit, coming home at weird, weird times. You know, you know, I don't know how it is after you kill somebody. The fact that I don't, I'm assuming it's like an <laughs> adrenaline rush because that's like their thing, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, point is, yeah, so it's like. Clearly, this hotel should not be a hotel that existed after the Night Stalker guy, which, again, back in the 80s. And then after that, there was, like, more cases of, like, murders and, like, people from Skid Row disappearing, too. And they were like, oh, they're probably dying at the sea. There was, like, things about, yeah, you live on Skid Row, you're going to die at the Cecil Hotel. They take victims there. The thing about it, too, is that the whole time the former manager is just like, oh, well... You know, the Cecil Hotel, uh, it has this dark history, but, you know, I mean, I feel like it could be fixed up or whatever. I'm like, it can't be because you keep trying, like, because unfortunately you can't erase not only the history, but you also can't erase the Cecil Hotel from the Cecil Hotel because she tried. <laughs> yeah, they called it like the main, the stay on main or whatever. Stay on main, stay, stay on main. So it's like no, which they still had the Cecil Hotel as well. They just added stay on main I to it, but they, it, they were all the same building. I mean, that hotel figuratively and I feel literally has ghosts in it that cannot be gotten rid of. Yeah, and it has an ominous now air. Now they're trying. Now it's been bought by someone else who's who's gonna. 
they said at the end of the documentary, half of it's going to be low income housing and half of it's going to be a luxury hotel with I'm a, not staying. A, a rooftop. <laughs> exactly. With rooftop. They said the Why new manager not? wants to have a rooftop like party scene with a waiting pool. How insensitive Next is that? To the low income housing? How big Apparently. is this property? <laughs> I mean, it looks like a pretty big building, at least big enough to have those things. It's just, it is a bit insensitive, though, of, like, someone drowned up here, and you're going to have a waiting pool? And also, again, you're right by Skid Row, and then you're making low-income housing, but then you want to make a hotel or high resort area right next to it? Just tear the building down, make a factory or something, (laughs) or a parking lot, and... And that's Actually, it. I'm well, more for the parking lot because the factory, the somebody's going to die in the factory or see that's, that's, that's Or I they do. have like a clothing one and the mannequins come to life at night. I just feel like they should close it down, like close it down as a hotel, make it a shelter or something. Because yes. the biggest, the yes, biggest issue, and they do talk about it a little in here, but it's, you know, it's mostly focused on the, the horror of the whole situation. But, you know, they talk about it here of like the homeless problem on Skid Row is very real and here it is you have a whole hotel building i get it you want to make money originally it was meant to be a hotel for business people and all that stuff i get all that however i think after all of these cases all of this bad you know bad uh juju as as many voodoo people would probably say about this building you just need to cut your losses and turn it into a shelter Help the people around Skid Row, because, of course, it is like a historical landmark. And a lot of people from Skid Row probably do stay there who are homeless, who need a place to stay because it's low, um, low rent. But just turn it into like a a nice place that they can go, be warm at night, you know, have a roof over their heads, maybe get some food, that sort of thing. Do not make this continue to make this a hotel. (laughs) Clearly, God Sorry. has been selling y'all for a long time. I told y'all, y'all ain't don't need to make this a hotel, all right? I let the devil run in through there, and, and he just has his way with it. And I'm not going to step in. Y'all need to let, y'all just need to let, let, do, let, do let, you let it go. There, there is something at the CISO Hotel that, like, has this. Because there's, like, a bridge, and I want to say, I, I don't recall where it is. There's an actual bridge. Where when people with their dogs walk over, the dogs commit suicide. They'll jump right off the bridge the moment oh they gosh. get on it. Yeah. There are places in this world. Um, well, there's like the like Japanese in, suicide gardens. Yeah. The forest. Like, like the suicide forest. Right. Where it's like people yeah. go there and commit. And it's been. It's happened a lot. It's like there's some yeah. places where darkness just resides. And like to a point you're like, I don't know if they're going there to commit suicide or they're going there to find out and they die. Like. Maybe some things are are better blocked off because, like, I know that forest suicide forest. They have patrol people that try to get people out before nightfall because they believe if you stay during nightfall, that's when you die. Some mystical thing can come get you, or the voices of the forest. You'll end up listening to them, which I'm like, maybe there is voices of the forest going on there. Clearly, there's something going up, and I feel like it's almost the same with the Seesaw Hotel. There's been enough murders and suicides there that, like. There is something literally telling you, hey, don't come into this building. Don't mind that bell. It is just a little toy ball. That is not helping the situation at this time. Um, <laughs> that's like, don't come back. And people are just blatantly ignoring it. Well, what Groot would make it. And, and, oh, and sorry, well, when ahead, they like, open up the new hotel. Oh, no. Sorry, uh, what, uh, 
Go, Jonathan. Anyway, uh, when they open up the new, uh, like, luxury hotel or whatever, people, they're still going to have the same problem. People are still going to be coming to the hotel just so they can experience it. They're still going to have the problem of having to patrol all these security around the, the premises so people don't access unauthorized um, unauthorized areas so that they can see where Elisa Lamb was and everything. They're still going to have the same problem. So why not repurpose the hotel for something else? Because obviously the hotel part is not really working. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I think the biggest thing too is that... Uh, you know when you have the the manager talking about like when they were bringing up like and i think the family did have a, a small right to sue the hotel i don't think i didn't agree with them on the whole idea of like well she was mentally struggling so y'all should have done something it's like we're a hotel we're not a therapist office like we deal with hundreds of people that come through this lobby every day it's hard it's for like the parents that try to ditch their kids uh, off with like a waiter or like somebody in a store. Hey, can you watch my kid? I have to do this. And it's like, no, that's your child. I'm working. Right. Like I'm my job is just to make sure that they have clean sheets and like the and, you know, the water works like that's that's my job. My job is not to care for them on that level. However, however, the one thing though oh, that you? they do that they do they should have fixed is the water tank. Yeah, like the fact that the lid was open, the fact that like there is a bell in the emergency exit. Okay, is there anybody around? Like, if that goes off though, does that send a signal to see your security guard if you have one, even or your maintenance person to say, hey, there's no signal going off on here. Someone must be up on the roof or whatever. Because if that was the case, someone would have went up there and then checked. Because it's like, it doesn't make sense to have an alarm on the door if nobody's going to go check it until, God forbid, the morning after, at the earliest. And it's, it's skeptical if there was an alarm on the right. door. It, it wasn't ever like, like fully uh, conveyed to the audience that there was an alarm on the door because the one guy who, who studied the case, uh, the internet sleuth, he said when he went up there, he never pushed open the door and there was never an alarm Mm -hmm. so it's like but again this is also the other problem this is the one thing where i was like that's your first problem is that when they hired this lady she was like i've never managed a hotel before i'm like a businesswoman it's like okay that's the first problem you do not hire a business person with no hotel experience to manage a hotel especially one from hell where people are dying every other week so that's like that's the worst person to hire for this type of job not because they're incapable of doing the job but rather they might not have the know-how of things they should really be thinking about like a person who is a hotel manager or has been a hotel manager they would immediately think to themselves okay are the water tanks locked up no lock those up because even if it's not a body God forbid a bird dies or something in midair and falls well, into the water tank or just, whatever. Yeah, water for the hotel that would just be dangerous in general for like infections of people. Right. Yeah. Right. And they were saying that at the end. They were like, like you could poison somebody has access exactly <laughs> and nobody if would know has access to this water tank, then you could just poison the entire hotel guests. And uh, so in in speaking of people who were associated with the hotel, I want to talk about the couple who were visitors and I forget which where they were from, but I think they were from the UK. Yeah, I think so. 
Okay, and they stayed at the hotel. Do you blame them for not essentially doing their research? Because, I mean, this was 2013, so Google was available. Do you blame them or do you think, okay, they're international travelers, it was a cheap hotel, and this was their only option to stay at? I I, I don't blame them because if I blame them, I have to also blame Elisa too. And anybody else who was staying there at the time, like all of those people, whether they knew, like whether they knew the history or not, probably a lot of kids who are just like tourists going through, they're just like in their mind, it's like it's a cheap hotel. That's it. They wouldn't think to also, look and see like how like, many people have been killed here. <laughs> yeah, who delves into the history of the hotels like that? Because like, all right, so when I went to England back when I was like twenty two or something, um. I found just a cheap hotel that was near the train. That way I could get in and out. Um, when I got there, it was way smaller than I thought. Like, the bed sheets were kind of dirty. I had to ask for new bed sheets. You know, you just quickly go off what's online. I Yeah, so, like, I didn't look into the hotel or anything. I didn't see if how many rooms were in there or anything. I was like, look, this is what I can afford. It's practical. It's by the train. It's easy directions to everything. And, like, I had a plan laid out around it. So, yeah, I never delved deep. And, you know, I was a single woman internationally traveling. So being a couple, you, I feel like you don't have to have that big of fear because you're together. So you're definitely not going to go do that research into the hotel about, like, where are the exits? Where is this and that? How many people have died? How many crimes have been committed within this decade? Is it safe <laughs> to go within this decade time frame? I mean, there are only three murders every, you know, five years. Has it been the five years yet? When you're looking up a hotel on Priceline, they don't pull up like the rap sheet of of this hotel. (laughs) By the way, I know it's a great deal, right? But also you should know that like six people died there, like just in the last three months. I just want to let you know that. Anyway, Priceline, come on by. (laughs) I mean, technically when you're you're selling the house. I do. I use that to get my my airplane I use kayak. I use hotels.com. I use Anyway. (laughs) Uh. I will say, uh, if you I, ever I also, have to buy a house, though, they need to dis- disclose uh, if somebody's been how murdered many people in there. Who, who have, yeah. if any, has been murdered? Yeah, only murdered. Um, it's I, perfectly fine if they died of natural causes. They don't have to disclose. What if that. it's fictional murder? Because the uh, house Who's from fictionally been murdered. American Horror Story house. That's an actual house you can buy. Okay. Uh. Uh-uh, uh. No. Anyway, that doesn't um, count, no. and you know it doesn't count. <laughs> Go on, Jonathan. What were you saying? <laughs> Uh, no, I was just going to say, I, I agree with you guys. Um, I don't blame them because especially they made the point, we're only going to be sleeping and washing up here so Although, you know, we can get past the sticky floor and my and everything, I which is exactly them. what I did. I blame them because of the, like, as soon as the water is dirty, I'm not using it to brush my teeth yes. and take a bath. I'm immediately heading no. downstairs like, hey, y'all got to fix that. That, that, that's, was that's, the water actually dirty or was it that it, it tasted weird? Both. Both. I it know it tasted weird. weird. It was a brownish, they mentioned it was a brownish color and that it tasted funny. Um, um, I but first of all, but I real quick, it if it was, if it defending was, them with that, um, America has been known not to have clean water in a lot of places. Also, I will say there is a, there's a place uh, at my at my job, they use recycled rainwater. So, like in one yes. of their office buildings. So the the water looks yellow, but it's just because it's rainwater. 
not and like it's filtered rainwater. I had a cousin who got her water from what actually I know quite a few people who did well water, um, which smells kind of funky. Yes, it does. And because <laughs> it comes from like, w- you know, a well, which has like a lot of sediment in it, it like makes everything around the bathtub look rusted and it'll actually end up coloring your hair a little bit with a red tint. All right. Well, I'll take it back. Yeah. So <laughs> like, talk. so like I get with the tasting weird, I wouldn't drink it or use it to brush my teeth, but like showering it, I'd probably get through it. Cause I'm like, I need a, I need a shower. I feel gross. Um, just because again, America doesn't have the best water system. Um, I, I would have the moment that I, I really was fascinated by the moment the news came out that she had died in the water tower. And then all the hotel guests, you see all the hotel guests getting interviewed and all the people taking pictures of them. I was amazed at how calm they were when they were talking about how funny the water tasted and looked. Because immediately, you know, they knew that they had drank the water. Of a dead person. That- <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Do you do, maybe it was like shock because you're just like I I I didn't. I mean I knew I ingested something, but it's like I couldn't have. You know that moment of disbelief where you're like, no, no, like no, it didn't happen. <laughs> right. But we know it did. And th- but no. <laughs> and that was the part that stuck with me the most when I first read about this story. So to see the actual people who were affected by it and who c- complained about the water. It was it was really fascinating. And speaking of water, can we talk about the parallels between I was this go for a and the movie mind. Dark Water? <laughs> I have not seen Dark Water. I don't know. What oh, is. but well, they mentioned it in the movie how uh, or in the documentary. Oh, how- that must be the part. Spoilers, y'all. I did fall asleep a little bit. Uh, at the at the end of one of the episodes, I can't even remember which one it was, but I know that that for a while I just like checked out. <laughs> well, basically, I'll give you a summary. Basically, plot of Dark Water. It's uh, a horror film. Who's in it? Um, uh, I'm looking that up actually. Well, originally it was a remake um, from a Japanese film in 2002, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, Hold on. The film is a remake of the 22, no, 20, God, it's hard to say things now without the 2020 part of it. 2002. There we go. Japanese film of the same name, which is turned based on a short story, Floating Water. Oh, it's written by the person who wrote the Ring Trilogy. Uh, It has Jennifer Connelly, Tim Roth, not very many actors that are still like, are pronounced in in the front anymore wait um, i thought the movie that they mentioned in the movie had like who who did it have in it um the movie that they mentioned uh in a dark water uh yeah oh yeah that is the right movie that's yeah. interesting um but anyway the parallels were that basically they they showed the shot of the elevator them getting in the elevator the mom the daughter and the dude um the water is black at the hotel they're staying at or the apartment they're in and the little girl dies in the water tank okay and so basically their rationale was that 
oh, someone could have tried to carry out a crime. Which, by the way, they the show in that film and the Japanese one, the little girl struggled and she made marks. Yeah, but Which it's a fictional story. Out. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you're going to panic. What are you going to do? You're going to slam or you're going to scratch? I'm just saying, like, I don't know. It's always because it's everybody responds to any situation differently. So I'm never, I never am going to say that every, like, every person would react to any situation the same exact way as everybody else. Because it's no different than um, another, and this is also a documentary of, um, I forget what the case is called, but the movie based off it's called Compliance, which is a story about this girl oh. who worked at McDonald's or some restaurant, yeah. fast food restaurant. Some fast food restaurant, And yeah. somebody called the establishment pretending to be a police officer and the, and told the manager that she was like a drug mule and to uh, like strip her down and do all these terrible things to her. And- a lot of people would say, oh, that's dumb. I wouldn't just believe someone told me a police o- he was a police officer. It's like, you don't know what yeah, you would Yeah, but I would believe somebody would do that because people are absolutely stupid. But see, that's what I'm saying. You, don't, like, you can never guess what anybody is going to do at any given time, no matter what their mental state is or what, or what was what said had happened because you weren't in that person's head to know what- Yeah, but it can do. kind of be predicted because- they don't, they don't, sh- they don't, well, if you've seen the movie, they don't really tell you, but he did it to about seven people. He called seven different restaurants with burner phones and they all did the same thing. Mm. So clearly there is a track and a way people, humans are, you know, just listening to what they believe is an authoritarian figure on the phone. So that is a natural reaction to an authoritarian figure that you hear or that you believe and you follow instructions without without thought and without question that's a reaction and that is what they're doing so ah. <laughs> um same exact result <laughs> i think i think the other big thing that interested me in this is and this is it was one of those things where it, i i felt i always think about this when i think about internet culture of like this idea of you want to help and i get that but at the same time, you are not a detective. Like, you haven't gone to school or any of this. You haven't done any of the training. Like, even private eyes have to. And I know because I wanted to be. I wanted to uh, yeah, they do be a PI. Like, they have to lot. go through some training first before you just become a private investigator. You don't just, like, say, I'm a private investigator now and get a badge. Like, so. Or, uh, or pardon or whatever uh, the slip they get, basically, that approves them but anyway so these internet sleuths as they call themselves or whatever some of them i'm just like all right y'all are just like (laughs) y'all y'all are just diving in to stuff without any basis past just this this feels weird i believe this feels weird it's like okay yes going off a hunch is something cops and private investigators do a lot so i'm not knocking you for it however most of those hunches when they know they're wrong, they don't double down and just be like, no, but the hunch was real, though, and I'm going to prove it with this extra thing that also is weird. And it's like, no, that's that's also not weird. It's like, no, but but for real, though, it's like, just stop bullying people on the Internet. <laughs> and- Although, OK, that can sometimes be true. Yes. 
people might take it a little bit too far. But and no one apologizes for that poor death metal band. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, no. Uh, anyway, you know what? I, I will say I really quick, though. But... Uh, death metal, like heavy metal people, people are like, they're so mean and soft. The sweetest people I have ever met have been heavy metal people. They have been always the nicest people. There was one time uh, my sister and me were like drunk going home and this like a-hole, it was around like Memorial Day or Flags Day, we were living in like Florence, like pulls a flag out of the ground, pulls a flag out of the ground, one of the poles and just throws it on the ground and actually kicks it. Like, screw you, man. So we're putting it back. But Christian was kind of drunk and she couldn't figure out where it went. And it's like, biker, heavy metal dude comes up. He's like, are you guys okay? And we're like, we're just trying to put this back. And he's like, oh, I'll help you guys. And like, he was just super sweet about everything. And we we're like talking to him. And then like his metal heavy chicks come up and they start talking about it. And they were like insanely sweet people. I mean, have you ever seen the interview of the Insane Clown Posse? Those guys are really actually kind of cool. Yeah, they're cool. But dudes. those kind of people actually do. Yeah, they're actually really cool. What? what sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> I was gonna say, yes. Sometimes people do take the investigation too far, but when people are really passionate about something, they will dive into every single aspect of it. And I'm mainly thinking about reality TV. And I hate to bring it back to this, but on some of these reality TV shows, I'm mainly thinking of like Big Brother. The Bachelor, when they release their contestants, the fans of the show become like they put on their PI hat. They dive into every single person's social media, their work history, their life history, every single tweet they've liked, every single Instagram post, every single thing. They dig into it to find something juicy. So when people are really passionate about something, you can re- you can absolutely get them to to become PIs and find things that you may not necessarily have found out on your own, even if it is your job to find those things. But is it that a good thing though? Is it? Because then those well, people start I mean, thinking that they know you or whatever, or at worst, risk their own lives. You have people going to the Cecil Hotel to go dig up clues. Grant, like, and I want you to know, a police officer is protected when he goes to the Cecil Hotel because he's a police officer. He or she, or she is a police officer. But if you go and you're just a civilian and you get shanked up, just so you know, you just a civilian who just got shanked, shanked up. up. Like that's, like that's, that's, that's shanked up. Why do we have to keep saying shanked up? What is shanked up exactly? You're getting because shanked. I, I, I'm thinking of like you're getting almost like hung up like you somehow went through a hole and now you're like hanging i'm thinking like that or are you talking about like getting shanked no you're getting shanked all, all right. of a sudden yeah. like somebody from skid you know skid row who's having a pts flashback comes out of nowhere and just that's what i'm saying if that happens you to see. you with the cecil hotel we'll call the cop now that was the one thing i did agree with when the hotel manager was like yeah, we could have called the cops, but there's no guarantee they would have came in time. And I fully believe that because there's plenty of neighborhoods, both in L.A., and all over California, all over this country, where you can call the cops. Dang, gonna come for a minute. <laughs> like, you're probably gonna be dead by the time they get here, but you Especially can call them. Especially since, it, again, it was so close to Skid Row, they probably weren't. Yeah, they probably weren't gonna come. Rush over. Like, they weren't gonna come at all. But I'm just saying... It's just, at what point is too far too far if you're just a a civilian? Like, I get it. You want to help. Really quick, going back to what Jonathan was saying about with, like, Big Brother, and that's exactly how we met our new friend Kyle. 
Yeah. Um, That's true. Yeah. Well, I didn't. It meet him, was that whole. Him. We got. We met him. You need to meet him because he's a very big Marvel fan, and I'm like, you would get along with Jerome so well. Uh, but that's kind of going with you with your saying, Jerome and Jonathan. What you're saying. Once they let out that cast list for Big Brother, all these fans went crazy. They thought they found, or um, was it the cast list? They thought they found him. Yeah, they had yeah. a cast switch out, and yeah. which you know that found him. And luckily, this Kyle didn't have like a big history of like bad things he was hiding that could have been exposed. And which I had even asked him about with cancel culture going on. Um, were you scared when you first woke up and just saw that you know you had blown up out of nowhere? And he's like, yeah, I was. And that's that whole fear. Like, had they could have, like, messed with somebody's life who had nothing to do with it in such a quick amount of time. It was a night span. But luckily, Kyle was cool with it. The fans were okay. And, like, everything settled down really quickly. Um, But you're right. There's a point where it goes a little too far. And now they've involved somebody who had nothing to do with anything. This guy wakes up. All of a sudden, his phone's going out of nowhere. And he has to wonder, did I make an insensitive comment? Did something happen? You're suddenly going back through all these things in your head, like, whoa, fuck, what did I do? You know? And so, like, I get what you're saying. And there's sometimes in cases where people have definitely tried going too far. They've, you know, taken footage of, like, a person's last moments in life and placed it on the internet to be like, look, this is what really happened. And it's like, dude, the family's still alive. They didn't need to see that. Or you know what? They may not have wanted the family to, the people are pressed to see that. It's like, you also have to remember the family's still in existence. And I think with this case and it being closed, the fact that Netflix kind of made a documentary on it was kind of a little bit sleazy. It feels like pandering because it, it, because it feels like a letdown because I was like the whole time I was watching the documentary, I was like, okay. Like immediately after the first, I, I I think it's the second episode. You find out she's in the water tank, right? Is the second or the? Or the I think it's like the end of it too. Yeah. So when after that second episode, when they find out they're in the water tank, I'm like, okay, then what's the fourth part about? Because I feel like the third's gonna be the end, right? Like, because there's what else is there to talk about? Like it's I, I feel like because I I already assumed based off of the evidence that they gave in the beginning, not knowing anything about the case. I was like, it sounds a lot like she's like, it was an accident. I don't know how that's what the documentary is to hear to unfold, but it sounds closer to an accident than it does a murder. But I didn't have all the, all the facts yet. Then by the time I hit the end of the documentary, I was just like, I feel like this could have been wrapped up not only in three episodes, but also feels like you're wasting time with a lot of these internet sleuth people who most of the information and, uh, background they give doesn't add as much to the story as i think this documentary thinks they do um on on top of that it was really weird (laughs) to have because the one dude who was just like he went to the court case and uh to give some some background like all right that's cool the one guy who was like yeah my friend went to the grave and put his hand on it for me on my behalf and that that made me feel better i'm like all right, weirdo. Like, you don't even know this girl. You never met her in your life. You don't know this family. That's kind of weird, dude. <laughs> My opinion, but whatever. Well, I knew a guy who almost got killed by, or who almost became a victim of John Wayne Gacy. I don't say I feel closer to him or John Wayne Gacy. 
You know, I knew, yeah. It was my history teacher. He was very excited to tell me that story. I, I apologize. No, it was his brother who was unmistaken. Uh, I don't know if that makes it better. It doesn't. Anyway, but like, I had gotten into a conversation. He told me the story. He was weirdly excited about it, mainly because I it was like the seventh grade. And I told him, I'm like, yeah, I really like learning about serial killers. The thing starts off young with women. You like learning about this type of stuff. And I'm like, and in fact, some of my favorite thing to learn about is actually cults. But I'm like, some of my favorite serial killers are definitely Jeffrey Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy. Let me ask you this, Alex. Well, speaking of, they're making a new Jeffrey Dahmer movie. Yeah, it's starring. Um, no, it's, Ameri- it's American Horror Story. Starring Evan it's Peters. American Horror Story. It's- yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. It's another American and Horror Story. And Nisi Nash. It's gonna be I the new that season would, of American wouldn't that have, Shouldn't that have ended with Apocalypse? Oh, I'm about to say it. No, I'm, I'm American sorry. Horror Story is over. <laughs> they ended. Is it? it? Yeah, I'm. No, 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 no. no, no, no they American went, Horror Story is still going. Is it? They went with uh, okay. like the 19 something 80s like style murders and horror films. I think is the last season. I like was thinking about watching, but now I can't remember. I'm I'm mixing it up because they just announced the new season of American Horror Story. And at the same time, they also announced that Ryan Murphy is making a movie or series based on Jeffrey. It's a movie. I think it's a series. I think it's a movie. Well, I don't know. Either way, it's happening. The thing, well, (laughs) the thing I I think people a lot miss with Jeffrey Dahmer. Right off the bat, I want to say I do not condone Jeffrey Dahmer. I do not like this man. He is an evil man, a heartless man. And. I feel terrible for what happened with his victims and like nobody because they're, they actually have tours for the spots where he picked up his victims. They have like people will say they're in love with Jeffrey Dahmer and like all this. stuff. Absolutely not. This man was pure. I mean, it's the same with the awful. Night Stalker. He got a bunch of marriage proposals after he so went did, to jail. Like yeah. Charles Manson, all that. Um, but what I'm saying is I'm more fascinated with the topic of Jeffrey Dahmer. And I think a lot where people lose the thing they kind of just focus on the way he used to eat his victims and like all this stuff but he actually kept a lot of his victims pieces because he wanted to build a sex slave he was creating a frankenstein monster and jeffrey dahmer actually studied started studying medicine and other stuff to start assembling a human being and i think that is a bigger and interesting and more messed up part of the story than eating because camp cannibalism again do i do not condone cannibalism nobody should eat anybody well unless it's the last means of survival then that's just how it is uh, <laughs> uh technically to that's to not illegal <laughs> to clarify it will be a series and it's called monster the jeffrey dahmer story it will be more of a psychological thriller than a horror, and is said to chronicle its subject's multi-year killing spree from the perspective of one of its victims, of one of his victims. I, I just wanted to focus on more than just the eating aspect, because he did commit torture. He was creating all these designs, these mechanisms and stuff. And in fact, the lawyer who had to defend him, he drew her like, I forgot what it was. He drew her an actual like, machine looking thing that was like oh yeah this is how you can hold a victim on a napkin and just gave it to her on a piece of paper and signed it and was like here you go i, I my own I'm original you now, design alex i feel like they probably won't only because it's it's a thing of and this is more just from uh, uh knowing hollywood perspective is that they're gonna go yeah. for the lowest thing and because they're because if they go too deep the argument will be, be are they praising, raping. are they like giving Jeffrey Dahmer more credit 
than he should get, being that he is a serial I, killer. You're right. They're probably just going to focus on the raping, the murder, yeah. and the cannibalism. But the thing is, that's what I'm like saying with the serial killers and like even these cult leaders. There's some twisted thing behind. It's not just about the bloodlust. There's another thing that's there. And I think a lot of crime documentaries will miss that, especially when they're kind of produced by Hollywood and stuff. That the way how these people became the way they were almost. And also like why they started, what like kind of why they thought like, hmm, I can start doing this. I would say uh, watch my uh, I haven't seen it, but I hear it's really good. Uh, is watch or read because it's also a comic. Um, my friend Dahmer. I've seen the movie, that which that's it's a story told from the perspective, like just before his years of doing his killing spree, of a kid who was in his high school and knew him. Um, and uh, I haven't read the book or watched the movie, but I've heard that it's a really it's a better deep dive into. Jeffrey Dahmer from a different perspective than just the the murderer and more yeah, of his home life. There's, because yes, he was a murderer and like all that stuff, but he was also other things too. And I think they ignore that. Yeah, you're right. Just to show him as like it, again, he a mo- he was a monster, but like he was a bigger monster than I think people realize because he was an actual intelligent monster as well. Same with like uh. Ted Bundy mm-hmm. and John Wayne Gacy used the whole facade of being a family man and the clown thing. And same way with like the cult leader, like uh, with Georgetown where he gave this like appeal of like, you know, we have home and community and faith. There's other things than just being like the murder, the intelligence that it goes with being a murderer and a serial killer too. I think they need to show that that way you can understand a lot more about like okay they're smarter so i they're smart so i need to be smarter i think that's i and, i have my i have a working theory of why so many women both single and not single enjoy serial killer documentaries and i think that is a key to it and that a lot of women like we're like women oh, need no, to no, protect no. it is absolutely that I learned multiple ways of how I would get out of a situation, yeah. and also how would it be? How would I kill somebody better? Well, not that so much, not so of, much, and because that, of that, but I've just meant like to see the signs of somebody who maybe because you hear it all the okay. time. The many women so, who are with a lot of these guys um, before they find out they are zero killers are like, I didn't think he was like that. He would always seem so, so nice and so cool. And it's actually, like, he, you know, maybe here's if a, you hear more about it, tip. you can see the signs. Here's a big tip to actually, um, to all the female fans or listeners or whoever, here's a big tip to know if a man, you know, may be trying to kidnap you or something. If a man asks you for help with something, you can't really trust that. If a man you don't know, because that is how a lot of Ted Bundy's victims were caught. He seemed distressed or something. And there is something in the core of women that we, as, as women, want to help. And when we see somebody who looks like they're physically hurt or they do need something or they're struggling, we want to help. And that's how Ted Bundy got a lot of his victims. He pretended to limp. He had crutches or, you know, he pretended to be hurt. A lot of serial killers will have that activation where it's like, 
oh, I'm vulnerable at this moment. And usually men do not ask for help for women from women. Hmm. Because sadly, there is that underlining thought in most men, of course, not all men, um, that women physically are inspirior. Or so they're not going to ask for help with stuff. I would say it's or, or it's the vice versa that it's a man doesn't want to seem weak to a woman, especially not yeah, a woman absolutely. he's trying to pursue. He doesn't want to seem like he's he's a weak person. Precisely. So to all the female listeners, if a man, a stranger in a parking lot either approaches you or, you know, just ask for your help. Don't do it. Say, I'll go get somebody else to help you. Because in the end, it doesn't matter if they do or do not need help. It's your safety that should always be the thing on the front line. It's your safety that should always matter above everything else. Whether you think somebody may or may not be hurt or something, you need to put what your life before everything because you don't know what's going to happen. With all these documentaries, I will say it's a kind of a nice view into seeing like the different acts employees they did use, which is, again, something I was like, I think a lot of documentaries about serial killers are missing or crimes and stuff like that is how they were able to lure the victims and the psychological reasons many of the victims were able to be manipulated into this. And that's a, like a big thing. And with the Cecil Hotel documentary, going back to that, it didn't really have that. Give but, us your final thoughts, Alex. <laughs> but they did use a psychological manipulation into to what I believe is making a clearer case and simply that she's bipolar. She was off her meds. Simple as that. It's not, though. Because I am bipolar, and there's a one of the reasons I don't believe that in its fullest, I do believe she may have been having a mental breakdown or things like that. But when you're on very strong medications and things of that nature, they take a few days to get out of your system. And the medication, yeah, there were some missing, and the bottle was fuller than it should, but it wouldn't have had that reaction right away. There is signs of, like, detoxing from your body the same way any other drug. That's why I'm like, mm, I feel like they're using her mental disorders as an escape goat to make everything just in a pretty bow. And of course, everybody's going to believe that because there's such a lack of misunderstanding of mental health in this in this world. You know, I don't I didn't like the documentary, though, just because of the setup. I think it was trying to be like. Kind of like almost, yeah, recreation. There were too many yeah. like, recreations and stuff like that. I was waiting for the dun dun music to come at any time. <laughs> and it did. There, there were points where I noticed that it was like. Um, they, where something would be revealed and you would hear a doom. Yeah, they put like background music. It's like, I, being as I know the case though, uh, I was like, it's not as dramatic as you think though. Like that, the water tasted weird. There wasn't a need for a done like that. There's like multiple angles. Like, arti- like yeah. you could see the water dripping on the camera lens and everything. I was just like, man. Yeah, which is- was like, that's like what college grade like style decorative. We're going to give it the per- perspective. It's more just, this is like, like having a bunch of footage, but, and it's like killing your darlings of like, okay, what is the focus of this documentary though? Are you trying to make it like look really cool or are you trying to tell the information? It was a lot of B-roll yeah. is what it was. Just a lot of B-roll. <laughs> Cause yeah. And so it was like, you didn't need to have this go out in four episodes. I think maybe it would have been less. I don't, 
I don't want to say comical, but it was kind of comical, the setup of it, not the actual topic. If it, Stretching it into four episodes, it's like, this just feels like you're making a parody of a crime documentary is what feels like is going on right now. Mm. Seriously. What would be your grade? I would give it a if D. If you have one. A D. There are so many other better crime documentaries out there. There's better... Cecil Hotel documentaries and about her, of course, there's a lot of topics, podcasts, and stuff like that. So, like a D. It doesn't present anything new. It, it's a lot of B-roll. And I don't trust cops. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, they gave I, them a whole I, episode. I don't trust them. I I do agree that that it was very B-roll-y and um, you can tell where the recreations were and where the real footage was, where I feel like in, in some documentaries, they would make it more seamless where you couldn't tell if something was real or fake, you know? And, but what I did appreciate was I felt like they told the narrative. What I think the storyline that they did tell was told in a consumable way. I think it was very easy to digest all the points. Whereas in where you're watching some documentaries, you're like, Oh, why are they going to this point now? Why are they going to this point now? I think it was told in a cohesive way. Um, not really about the documentary, but like I really like that these documentaries are taking advantage, especially on Netflix, they're taking advantage of the fact that the victims specifically have documented their story, essentially. Like in the case of Elisa Lamb, she had all of these Tumblr posts. And I remember I watched uh, a documentary on Netflix uh, many months ago. Um, I think it was called An American Murder. That's what I wrote down at least. But it was the, the man, the man who killed his wife and two very young daughters. Oh yeah, I have seen that. One. Um, do you have you seen yeah. that one as well? Yeah, and and they just in that documentary they don't even have a narrator or interviews. It's just all footage of him coming home, acting like where's his wife and everything. And um and his wife has a whole bunch of videos that she posted to social media, and that tells her story. So it's in it's like. Back in the old days, it was it used to be letters or or a journal that you would find of the victims, and that would tell their story. Now it's like posts on social media or whatever, or text messages or something like that. So I think it's interesting how that has evolved and how documentary storytellers have incorporated that into the narrative. So I really like that to get a sense of this was a real person and to get a sense of who they were in the moments leading up until their death, which as grim as it is, but it's, it's just, I think it humanizes the person because we could get at points, we get caught up with the murder of it all. We don't actually think of the person behind it or not behind it, but who was the victim. That's true. Too. But all in all, I think, yeah, but all in all, I think I'll give this a, a C plus. I wasn't pumped to watch the movie, but I was very interested and I think they they told it in a cohesive way, just not in the best way they could have. And Jerome, uh, I think what is your rating and reason for the? Rating? I'm giving this a D, um, as well. Uh, I think 
I do see, like, just based off of the the minor, like, you know, I think the family testimonials and stuff, and Alex, uh, you brought up something that I didn't think about, uh, but they did say that there were her, because she was there for four days at the Cecil Hotel, and there were uh, other people in other rooms that had complained about her um, doing, like, having noises and stuff in her room, I guess, or whatever. So, it is possible that she was off her meds for a couple of days, not that day. And then she had a, a paranoid um, episode. Um, regardless, though, at the end of the day, I think for me, whether there is some foul play and in reality, you know, there's actually something going on or it is, as the police said, and she did have like in her and what her sister theorizes um, that she did have a mental um, uh, mental break. Uh, that day or whatever the case may be the most important thing for me that was just that the family got closure I think that is the biggest thing uh, for me personally because I my biggest concern not knowing anything about this case was that it was going to end with and the case is still open and I'm just like yeah but that's got to be torture for her family because it's it be it's one thing to file a missing persons report and then you find out that your your child or husband or whoever is um dead or alive either or cuz then it's it's okay well I at least now know so I can move on as opposed to I don't know where they went and for all I know they could still be out there somewhere and so I thought that was really great that they made an effort to include that in the documentary to let people know yes this is a closed case we're like the family has moved on and been able to move on and heal that's really cool i also love the message of uh talking about skid row in here talking about the homeless population that's really cool i think though the reason i'm giving this a d is that those things feel like minor instances in a documentary that's really trying so hard to stretch out a true crime scenario that's not even really worth four hour-long episodes and you could have easily done this in three probably two if you really trimmed a lot of the fat um i know they're trying to get yeah. they're trying to get like the whole phenomenon of it in that like the internet blew up and this is what you know, Twitter was saying and all these internet people and stuff like that. But I feel like half of their contribution could be chopped down um, into a smaller chunks. Yeah, when we were talking about when we were talking about discussing this movie on the podcast, I don't know about you guys, but I thought it was a movie. So when I clicked play and saw that there was multiple episodes, I was like Oh, I yeah, no, I thought, it, I, thought it, I thought it was a movie tomorrow. too. I thought it was a movie no, too. No, I knew it was a series. Uh, I just, uh. I'm not a fan when they often do documentaries and series unless it's actually about serial killers or like cults. Most of the time, really they just about fizzle, one particular. They fizzle out. Or Tiger like, King. I think at most, the best ones there I've seen. There was a lot to unpack with Tiger King. Yeah, right. Tiger there King is. made sense Still. because there was so worse. much revolving oh, around God. that like, culture. No, it got worse. That it, like, every, like it, <laughs> there it, was... but even Tiger King, once it hit the end, it kind of fizzled out because all of the fun stuff that got yeah. you hooked was over. Now it's just, all right, now it's a true crime part. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, like the last two were like, look, everybody's killed somebody. They're all breaking laws down there. 
we don't know what's going around in Florida. We don't know what's happening, but everybody, maybe just stay out of Florida. Like you're saying, don't go to Florida. It's just so it, like, I think the best one I've seen is that one I was ta- uh, talking about earlier from HBO. I love you now die. That's two parts. And it is only the, and it is from two separate perspectives. So that's why it doesn't feel like it's just a waste of time. But it, they don't spend like four episodes, two parts explaining both sides, then a third part explaining how the internet felt, then a fourth part explaining, you know what I mean? Like, you gotta, if you're gonna do a docuseries, you gotta know that if you have enough footage to really spread it out like that, or maybe if it's better to just make it one solid movie, um, one docu, one solid documentary mo- uh, movie. I think because they tried to make it about the Cecil Hotel, but not at the same time. They thought they could draw it out. But this was, they were talking about one particular case, which they all admit did not have much detail to it. They didn't know if somebody was stalking her, if this was paranoia. People didn't complain about the water, but did at the same time. It was just like the evidence and like the information was actually very well compact and there wasn't a lot of everything. You didn't need four episodes. Everything, literally, all the facts and evidence were actually laid out in oh, the Oh, yeah, the facts for too. this case that they're so, t- focusing on is very clear. It's all the extra stuff on top of it that fills out this running Yeah, time. which at the point, we've all heard the conspiracy, well, I've heard all the conspiracy theories, you know, I've heard all that stuff, and it's always like, yeah, okay, there was one conspiracy theory about aliens, she was going to be abducted, and they dropped her in the water tank. <laughs> Another one was that she played the elevator game, and a demon, you know, was the thing that killed her. Um, another one was that somebody was stalking her, or that, you know, it, it was just a lot of them, and it's just like, no, I don't care what the internet, I'm watching this because I want to know what evidence you have, and, you know, you do it about like the internet thing fine or do it about the case don't do it both unless the internet has factored into the case at all it's not relevant or if the case can't work without you know the internet weirdos again nothing it's not relevant give me what's relevant i don't care that it was a phenomenon for a while i want to know what happened and i was hoping for something new to be presented because i don't know why they're making a documentary about it now because lots came out. The case happened in 2013. Footage came out and has been watched. And even BuzzFeed Unsolved did it. That was like their second episode. when Which they, did they the featured. Season. They, they, featured they actually got to go to the CISO hotel. Yeah. So while well, it was still open. So it was like. Mm, Risking getting shanked up more and everything. From, <laughs> yeah. I'm like I learned more from this. About the CISO hotel and what happened with that whole case. From Ryan. Uh crap what's his last name bagara ryan bagara which i was just watching puppet history uh and he this man's like scared of everything he was shaking like when he literally got into the hotel so it was like he presented everything that was needed to know about the case the you know the three most popular topics of what had happened on the internet and the conspiracy theories all within a nice like 24 minute frame yeah. Yeah. Well, that is. I think that's where we should end. That's yeah, this our, is a bit more of a serious episode, folks. Hotel. But you know, it's like it's not much. I mean, you know, we tried. Half we tried series. to. Oh, we tried to like, inject a little humor here and there because we like wait, to have fun here. But at the really, same time, really quick, really quick though, 
I want to recommend my book. Oh, go ahead. The Babysitter. Um, the Babysitter. It's a really good book. I'm not done with it yet. And I try another frustrating thing about reading crime books. Uh, I'm trying not to look up the case about it. So um, you stay in the moment of the mm-hmm. book. But then I got into the part where uh, I believe it's actually about the Night Stalker killer who ends up going to the Cecil Hotel. Mm. So I think it's weirdly connected. And I actually got it when my mom was in town at a bookstore called at a bookstore called Away with Words uh, in Pablo Pablo Washington. Oh, Paul's book. Paul's book. Thank you, Paulo Washington. That bookstore is really cool. If you guys ever around that town, I say go go to Away with Words. Uh, I met a really cool woman there who talked about her own, you know, instances with uh, creepy males. You guys are good males. Don't worry about it. Um, but it was nice to share that experience. And then she was like recommending the book and they have like a little book club called Thrills and Chills. And I want to, you know, try joining that because it's fun to talk about crime for some reason when you're a woman. And <laughs> I prefer cults though. I have a good subject about cults, but that's for another episode. Nah, my docuseries are but like the, the weird, we... like factoid stuff. Like I still have to finish that McDonald's uh, scandal documentary on HBO. Cause I want to finish that. Probably. No, we'll get to that another yeah, time. Yeah, another time. Anyway, um. Um, <laughs> that'll be a, a future episode. Uh, where can everybody find you, Jerome? Uh, you can find me at Not Jerome Rat on Instagram and also at RoboZoo Media on Instagram if you want to see any of the other stuff I'm into outside of this podcast with these two beautiful people. Uh, but uh, I, uh, yeah. Those are my only two things. I was gonna. I was thinking I was had other social media, but then I remembered I don't. So it's all good. <laughs> Fair enough, Alex. Uh, I'm mainly on Instagram, Alex and Nobody, and then uh, I handle the podcast's TikTok. The first ones to die, and then you know, what about you, Jonathan? Where are we finding you? Yes, you can find me at Jonathan Keys. You can follow us at the first ones to die on your favorite social media platforms. You can email us the first ones to die at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your input. Did you watch The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel? We want to know. We want to know what you thought of it, if your opinions aligned with us or not. And we'll see you next time for another episode of The First Ones to Die. Later. Peace out. Bye.